The Perth Football Podcast is proudly brought to you by Macron Store Perth, an industry leader in quality teamwear specialising in grassroots, semi-pro and professional team attire. Visit the Macron Sports Hub Perth Facebook page for more. Thank you to Macron for helping us keep the pod running and for their continuous involvement in community sport. Those crazy cockerels have only gone and conquered. Athens again plunging Athena down into crisis mode alongside Perth Soccer Club. We'll talk about them, the hyper-competitiveness of the women's game, and we'll try and piss Tommy off on this episode of the Perth Football Podcast. And here we are back again, Perth Football Podcast after round. Tommy, what round was it? Nine. That was round nine. That was Tommy Dolman. How are you, Tommy? I'm good, Sean. How are you? I'm good. I should introduce myself as well. I'm Sean Fry, of course, your host, uh, Tommy Dolman, Mr. Football, you've already heard from. We are also joined by the only man I would let wet my whistle, uh, Alex Novatsis. Uh, how are you, Nova? Good, mate. Not the first guy to tell me that. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Uh, and the greatest man, Josh Chide. How are you, Josh? Great to be back. I've lost the the world's tag that Kalichi gave me the other day. No, I think no, that's no, too much for you. I, well, I just said the the greatest. It is implied. Isn't isn't that it? implied? Yeah, exactly. Uh, producer Kalichi is sitting down uh, next to me doing his producer duties because we've got a packed house. We've got a full squad, and when you've got a full squad, uh, you are able to make these cuts and and relegate people off the mic. So sorry, producer Kalichi, but you're going to have to sit on the bench for a bit. Um, if you've got something you want to say. Uh, Save it for next week, I guess. Uh, I wanted to dive in straight away to another Perth football podcast derby. We had West Ham versus Leeds last night, fresh off the bat. But, Josh, put the arrow back in your quiver, resheath your sword because he said, no, he's not letting me do that. We're going to save that for the end. Um, So let's go nice and easy on Tommy uh, right from the start uh, and uh, hit hit that uh, button, Kalichi. That is the sound of Tommy's Floriot stocks plunging to unsellable <laughs> levels. He now, he now has to pay. It's kind of like when there was a big recession in in America. I think you could, like, people were paying you to take their businesses off their hands or paying you to take their houses and things because, yeah, it, it, they were just valueless. Tommy, I, I, that's the panic clacks and. It's got to be time now, You've surely. been waiting for this moment for about three weeks, haven't you, Sean? I've just been asking you whether it's time to panic. I haven't made a judgment call myself, but I'm. it is definitely time now. Are you in agreement? I think five wins in a row suggests the panic um, is definitely there. If they had five wins in a row, I don't think the no panic, panic would be there. there but, uh, have to lose. Five losses, maybe. Five, five losses. Five losses in a row. Sorry, I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm being optimistic. Um, yeah. yeah. No, it's... Um, writing history. It's, it's not good times, is it? No, I mean, no pun intended with the sound effect, but it is an alarming trend now. Um, they have got quite a few injuries, and the gap to fourth place isn't insurmountable. But when you are on a trajectory that they currently are, and I, I don't know, it just doesn't quite look as though they are their usual selves. And no. there's going to have to be a change, you'd think, in the next couple of weeks for them to be able to turn it around. I think that the injuries uh, were, you know, they were there uh, and they have been there for the last couple of years. They've dealt with injuries. They won the league dealing with a lot of injuries. Um, yeah. But I looked at the team that took the field on the weekend. I was And, and it's, you know, it's the same old Arnold Palmer uh, midfield. They got Bailey, both Saldaris's. Yeah, obviously, Bailey and Petkov are probably the two big ones. that um And, and Rob's not coming back for a while yet, obviously. And They, they didn't look weak at the back, though. You know, it's the same back four that shut out Kingsway about uh, two months ago. Yeah, but they are. They, they So... For those of you that haven't seen the table, 
they are dead bottom of the table after nine rounds. And, and it, it's we're in that kind of funny part of the season, aren't we, where you go, oh, it's still kind of early days, but nine rounds in now, I think you, uh, Kalichi was asking me to do the maths on the, um, on the, the final whistle uh, on the weekend. And uh, all I'll tell you is it's nine, 20 seconds of the way uh, through the season, but just under halfway through. And they are bottom of the league. Uh, goal difference of minus five, which, you know, is, is not the worst in the league, but it's uh, not far off. I just, I don't know what else is going on. Nova, you've got a bit of experience at the club. What's the what's the vibe around the place? What is is there still belief that they can turn this around? The the benefit to them is that the league is so tight. They're still only eight points off top, funnily enough. But yeah, I yeah. don't think I don't think there's that. It's not a panic button as yet. I think there, there's a lot of things to stress about. Um, being that you still need to recover, and you do say there's only eight points to fourth, but you need those teams to lose also. So there's a lot of work to be done. But for me, when I look at it, I look at the bottom three, and I can't recall the last time those three were at the bottom of the table being Floriat, Perth, and Sorrento, um, holding the rest of the... the well, it's, as I don't up. think it's, it's ever happened. No, nah, Perth and Floriat, I, I can't recall ever. Yeah. Um, but again, going back to Floriat, I think, have they got the experience there? And, and we talk about their injuries as well, but... You know, recovering from injury two years ago to recovering from injury now on some of those older players, it, it takes effect, and it's not—they're not going to recover quickly. And you know, it, it's—they've a lot of them are, are starting to to change their 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 mentality as well in terms of you know, is football number one priority? And that's my opinion. But having gone through it as well, you've got other things to worry about: families, uh, wives, etc. As well. So, um, but yeah, I, I, I listen. Uh, can they win the league from him? Well, it's tough, but well, like, top four is is not far away. I, I, the ob- Sorry, Josh. I I think the the one question you have to have, and, and you touched on the fact that they do have an older squad, and that's been a feature for the last couple of years. And the question is, do they have the youth to blood through who can take? those positions. I don't think Florida have been necessarily the best uh, the best junior club over the last couple of seasons in the MPL. And, you know, you know there's a bit of a distinction between them and, and teams like, say, Perth Red Star, who we saw bring on two 15-year-olds on the weekend. Uh, they had Lat Matiang, who came through from their youth setup last year, who sort of went to Perth and came back and, and played a starring role towards the end of the last season. But then, as often happens with the younger players, he got nabbed by glory. So the question is, you know, who are those players that they have at that next tier down who are going to stand up when those older, more experienced players are recovering from injury? Yeah, and, and you're right. And a lot of the younger players are already playing. Um, you know, Chris Lucky, he's already playing and, and standing out as well at left back. I, I, I praise him a lot. Um, having played that role at that club as well, it's not an easy one, especially when you're playing left back in front of the old guys at the top there. And for you to be able to... <laughs> play it at such a young age like I had to and then stand up and, and be one of the – he's playing like a senior player. So there are younger ones coming through, but it might be time that they need to start concentrating and seeing, you know, where can we get that back up from because as the season goes on, um, injuries may be more prone and they may they may have to rely on these younger ones to get the points they need to make the top four or, or to get out of that ugly spot of 12th as well. The, the other thing which stands out on, um, on the league table is – the goals have clearly dried up. They are the second lowest scorers in the league behind only Perth who have had their woes in front of goals this season. Um, they were a team that did concede a lot of goals last season, a, a couple of high-scoring games, none none more so than the, the game you did, Sean, the final day of the season and, and a 3-3 draw against Bayswater, which I remember doing. Um, but it's the goals and it's that that formula up front which has really seemingly, seemingly let them down. Look, 
if there is one team who are bottom of the league and in the predicament they are in that can get out of this situation, it is Florida because of the experience they do have. Key note, though, this week they're playing Balcada, who are fourth. And if they lose that, they could be potentially nine points off the pace. Well, and that is a long way to go with halfway. Well, we're talking the about the, uh, the, you know, potential lack of youth. As you said, no, but it's not that they don't have any young players coming through. But uh, Balcada... Conversely, a side that is is just built at the moment on experience and these elder or elder elder players, elder older statesmen. elder statesmen. That's the one I was looking for. Um, just getting the job done, just being really professional and tough. Like, as we all know, dead balls, set pieces, and almost probably the worst opponent for them to come up against is a team just like a well-drilled, maybe a side without the the flair that some other teams have, but one that you just know isn't going to give them an inch. Um, I do also want to mention. It's the mighty cockerels again that have done them over. Has there been a bigger bogey team in uh, the NPL in my time than Coburn? They got them last year as well. They got what? Armadale's not far off that as well at at Florida. Yeah. Okay. I I just, it goes back for me. It goes back. I think whether it was my first or second season in the league, and it was uh, Jesse Lazaro, of course, final day of scoring, and uh, and one of my favourite moments was him doing the shush celebration and the. the Football West uh, coverage on the YouTube stream, stream had the um, the banner across the bottom for discreet men's uh, fertility treatments, and it had this uh, the guy in the corner d- with the with the finger over his mouth, and that just flashed up with Jesse above it doing the same thing. Well, it's just one of the greatest moments of all time, which I think goes uh, very underappreciated. Football Go on, West Tommy. was sponsored by discreet men's fertility at the time. Oh, so something, yeah, something about that. Do, do you remember that deal, Nova? <laughs> yeah, it was a great price. <laughs> Wish I took it earlier. <laughs> Tommy, go on, Tommy. Worth just mentioning with Coburn, the Australia Cup draw was made today. Um, they are at home to Gwellup in the next round, and then they could potentially be at home again in the semi final for another place in the round of 32 in the wow. Australia Cup. And, and it just goes to show that the work that the club continue to do, um, they, they definitely punch above their weight. Um, I think a lot of people wrote them off coming into the season. We did have a chat about them on the full-time whistle yeah. um, in terms of what they're doing in terms of the organisation under Steve McDonald. But but a bit of kudos to them, and the draw has certainly it, opened up for it's them. It's funny now. how much... Right, Zico's outrageous strike, Every time... Right? Oh, we'll get to Friday in a second. I reckon we need to get a uh, get a segment uh, Friday on Monday and just get Friday Zico to call in and talk about the latest screamer that he scored because he <laughs> seems to do it every single week. Uh, but the... I was going to say about talking about them being uh, underrated and, uh, uh, yeah, uh, people writing them off. Every single time I've done an interview with, with Jesse Lazaro, the Coburn skipper, he's he, he says that. He just says, oh, I know people write us off, but, you know, that's the thing. And it's almost like he revels in it. And I think the whole team, there is a culture down there of just like, hey, we're probably not going to win the league, but we'll take the odd cup and we'll stick it up Florida a couple of times a season. And, and that's what they're happy with. And, yeah, they they – just uh, tend to tend to pull it out. Um, we we won't we'll, we'll spin on because there is another team nose diving uh, harder than a uh, one of those uh, planes at the Red Bull Air Race, uh, and that is Perth Soccer Club. They are down in that bottom two. I, th- I thought um, you were going to go for a Kamikaze there. I thought you were going to go real dark. No, well I'm I'm hoping oh. that they can pull it back like right when you think. Apart from that one guy, but let's let not dwell on that. Um, the <laughs> you, you can cut this bit out if you want, um, but. Yeah, Perth. I mean, I this is the one game I did catch a bit of, and wow, what a game! That this is just a team in. It looks like a team in freefall. You're against nine men at the end. Armadale do the Armadale things and just get players sent off. And uh, the the first red card, by the way, you might as well hit the uh, hit the thing, Kalichi, because um, we're just going to dive in and talk about it. I don't know what other red cards there were this week. Do you know? Oh yeah, Gordon Smith, second yellow. Of course. 
Daryl's favourite moment yeah. of the weekend. Or or girl. Um, but we'll get to the Sorry. girls. No, that's Sorry. all right. We, we'll, just, we'll just talk all over it now. We're experienced enough that we don't have to play by the rules. Um, yeah, the the first red card for Armidale. Uh, did, did you know who the player was? It was a second yellow. I couldn't see who the player was because the uh, the camera work. Look, I don't like to um, dig out a professional, but uh, it, it wasn't great. <laughs> Ethan uh, Levitt, first one. That, that was the cameraman. You want to dig him out or no? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> no so the player. so the uh, so Ethan Levitt it was already on a yellow card. Um, Perth already in a bit of turmoil. Not great results. They've sacked the manager. There's you know there's rumblings coming out. There's a lot of discontent and things aren't just aren't going right. It's very clear that the club's uh, struggling a little bit. Um, and you're three one up. Uh, Perth scored the Hassani Sinclair put him ahead and then Armadale just went bang bang bang. A um, couple of mistakes, uh, but, you know, this, you can always pick out a mistake in, in every goal. But uh, the fact that you go one up and then concede three very quick fashion, and but then the tackle on a yellow card, it's on halfway. It's it's like on the halfway line, on the, on the sideline, and right before halftime, he's already on a yellow and just go, takes a loose touch and goes flying in. And I think it was Josh Nixon does that. Um, I've seen you give the look as well before, Nova. We're just like, like, I don't want to fucking send you off, but I, there's no other choice here. Like, what, <laughs> look what you've made me do. That's, like, that's the look. Or either that or there's an assessor here I can't get away with. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so he went off. Perth scored uh, just before half time, uh, and then the second half was just batting down the hatches for Armadale. Uh, they held out for I don't know how long, maybe twenty minutes or so, and then uh, Perth equalised. And you sort of think, well, okay, they've they've dug it back. They've got the man advantage. They've caught a break here, and then two minutes later, Armadale go and score. Keeper misjudges one. The back four is sleeping, and they concede a very very soft goal. And it's just. Uh, and I think I don't know whether that, at that stage they were down to nine because they had a second red card, which I, I think um, the nine was after the after Armadale went up four three. After they went up four three, right? So they, yeah. But, so but Armadale held on for about. You've got the man advantage, and yeah, you finally equalise, and then you just go and concede a soft goal. It just like good teams or teams that are playing well just go on and win those games. I just wanted to ask you, Sean, given you, you saw the game, did you see anything from Perth um, in terms of maybe a bit of a system change or anything that gives you belief that, that there was a little bit of a fresh a fresh outlook for them and that they can build on this? Uh, look, um, I, it just looked like a pretty standard uh, couple of wingers and, and a couple of forwards with, with Asani trying to get on the end of crosses. It was just... It wasn't like they didn't have the ball, and they didn't. Have, but it would they, they just weren't clinical, um, and and it just felt like that desire wasn't there. Like Armadale were playing, especially when when they went down to nine. It's like they're chasing every single ball that which you have to do when you're down to nine men. And I, full credit to Armadale, and yeah. like a John O'Reilly side is um, always going to have two players sent off. No, <laughs> a good John O'Reilly side is always going to fight till the very end, um, and that's what they did, and and they fully deserved it, but. 28 goals in nine games as well. And Peter Jacobs with a three-minute hat-trick. Oh, sorry, a seven-minute hat-trick. Um, we've spoken about Jackson. We've spoken about Berger in depth. But um, Jacobs deserves his flowers as well to be able to come into yep. the team and make that impact. Um, they've got a lot of attacking weapons, and I don't think anybody's going to look forward to playing them this season. Yeah, absolutely. We did get a message uh, from John O'Reilly that uh, sent to Kalichi saying that they were on top. Um, after 25 and that the red card hurt us, obviously. But uh, as he mentioned, it was the togetherness and the winning mentality. And that that was definitely what it seemed like, like Perth were lacking. Uh, 
anyone got any feelings for how Perth are going to recover? Do we do we see I, shoots I, of uh, growth? Or I think it's hard to really make a easy judgment until they've actually decided which way they're going to go by way of appointing a new coach or in, in terms of um, whether they can bring in any signings in, in June. It's kind of, it kind of feels like the decision's been made now and um, it's a little bit of a wait and see and can they just hang in there and maybe take a little bit of belief from the performance going forward. Yeah, well, and for those of you that don't know, obviously uh, the uh, Wignall, uh, Mark, Wingle, Mark, Mark Wingle and Dale Wingle. Wingle. Is it it's yeah. Wingle? I, I get Wingle. it wrong every Wingle. single time. I'm Wingle. sorry. Yeah, Wingle. 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 So, I'm sorry, Mark. I called him Mark Wignall at the uh, at the, yeah, the black tie end of year thing as oh. well, and he, uh, he he didn't punch me in the face, so I thank him for that. But <laughs> I'm, but I'm still getting it wrong. Anyway, Wingle, Mark Wingle, obviously has been uh, has been sacked. Um, we did approach Perth for comment, but they said the recruitment process is still ongoing, and they will uh, you know reach out to us when the time is right. Uh, but yeah, obviously, maybe oh, you, can, I, you I, can apply and seek if you want. I, I saw that. Yeah, Kalichi sent the link through, and I don't think I'm qualified. I haven't done my um my B license yet. Josh, you got a you got you got accreditations, don't you? You could go on. I've done the B license course. I still need to get assessed, but uh, I'm I'm not looking for a senior gig just right just right <laughs> at the minute. Especially especially not not one where you're potentially fighting off relegation from the get go. Oh, so you're a coward. I am a coward. Okay, yes. well we've established big, that. Big Big Sam, he might be looking for another one soon. Yeah, we'll big, get to that. Yeah, well, he, he's he's been magical so far for Leeds. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What about what about your one? He who might be coming over here soon? Tommy, looking for a job. Who's this? Jesse Marsh. Yeah, yeah, or, or Javi Gracia, or yeah, which uh, I, I, don't even know who, I don't even have. know who's managing Leeds. Else is Uruguay, so that's not going to happen. Jeez, what what a what a shambles. You anyway. want a job, Nova? No. <laughs> okay. Not in coaching. Uh, Kalichi's just elbowing me in the in the thigh. There, he wants something. Big Sam. Big Sam. I already said Big Sam, didn't I? Oh, because we don't know. They've had so many. Yeah, exactly. It was just, it was off You've, the cuff. You missed the joke, Kalichi. Bloody producer just sitting here just trying to derail us. Uh, we'll quickly whip through the other score lines. You guys obviously talked Kevin a lot. Kevin Blackwell. You guys talked. <laughs> shut up. Was he the caretaker? You guys talked a lot about the uh, the results on the final whistle. If you haven't listened to that, it was a very good podcast. Olympic Kingsway was the big, uh, oh, the one that jumped out at you. Nil at home to four. Inglewood United and Inglewood aside that I said to Kalichi, not a result that you would have been completely shocked at if it was round one after Inglewood had won the night series. They were scoring goals for fun and but now they you know, after a bit of a struggle, yeah, they've 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 pulled it out and um Ingl- Inglewood lost the night series. Oh, well, sorry, they the did final, lose, they lost but the making, making, the fi- making the final of the night series. Yes, sorry. Um, but you wouldn't have been surprised if they if they turned up after their night series performance when they were scoring goals for fun every other game. Um, but now nine rounds in after the season they've had, that's that's a hell of a result for them. Uh, the big game at the, well, towards the top of the table, Perth Red Star aren't actually quite there, which I, I keep thinking they're up near the top. But, I mean, they are because everyone is because the league's so tight. They're, they're within three reach. points off. Uh, but 1-1. But one, one, uh, away to Bayswater. That's, uh, I mean, a testy game. That was the um, the other naughty boy. Josh, you got you got the a report on that. Gordon Smith. Uh, to it was the second yellow, and uh, Daryl Nickel was uh, adamant on the podcast afterwards that Gordon Smith was a naughty boy <laughs> and that he fully deserved it. From where I was, I thought it was line ball. I I, I initially looked. I thought it would would just be a 
a yellow card potentially play on because uh, it, it looked like he got the ball and the um, the Red Star players kind of uh, kind of gone down in a heap and one of those ones where suddenly they're, they're magically fine about a minute later. But uh, you know, Daryl was adamant about it. I'm not sure if he was just trying to get one over Gordon though. I'm sure he was. But uh, no. But do you want to tell Josh he's wrong or do you agree with it? Did you see the the second yellow? Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah, no drama. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, Josh, you're wrong again. Yeah. Um, I just like saying Josh is wrong. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, we've t- we talked about Perth Armadale. Sorrento won Balcata Etna 3. Uh, it was the other result. Uh, obviously, as, as I was saying, Balcata are just doing a professional job. Uh, Kalichi likes to say we're not betting men, and we're not. But the odds going into this one uh, had Balcata as, as pretty outside, like underdogs. And, and I was very surprised at that because I um, – yeah, I thought the way their season's been unfolding, and it, I don't think home advantage in the MPL. I've said it before. I don't think it's a huge well, thing. Well, it's not because Balcata have won all five of their games on the road. Thank you. I think also the fact that Sorrento beat Flory at the week before. I think at home, did they not? Yeah, they and, did, and yep. they played quite well. So that probably came into account as well. So, so Kalichi wants to point out uh, that the Balcata goals. I I did say before uh, they are coming up against Flory this week, and a team that's professional. Set pieces, dead balls. Their goals were free kick, header, a corner, header, and a counter down the wings, cross. Uh, was that a header as well? or Trent Trent K got a double. Uh, I don't think Ball you can say that too many times over the years. A, a guy who's been in the league for so long and been around WA football, um, I'd be surprised if he scored two goals in, in one season before, let alone two goals in one game. So it must have just been a lucky day for Trent, um, getting on the end of those crosses and... Um, yeah, guiding Balcata to a position in the top four, which, again, a bit of a theme of the podcast. We probably didn't expect it, did we? Just, well, I don't, yeah, no I think, one's I, expecting it. I think the first year. goal was uh, a combined age of about 77 on the <laughs> on the assist and the goal because it was uh, Adam Tong on the free kick crossing into Trent Kay on the header. And you look at how I, how ginormous and how much of a presence Adam Tong is and you go, man, he shouldn't be on the ball here, but he's – had some fantastic set pieces over the last couple of years since he's been back in the league. Was I think that goal on debut last year for Balcata where he scored a free kick from about 35 yards out and he's got a few assists now from whipping those balls into the box from there's wide areas. A, there's a difference between a, a free kick to a, a difference to, in play. I can get my brother who's 135 kilos to knock in a, a good ball too but doesn't make him a player. Only joking, Tongi. No, <laughs> no, Tongi, Tongi to me, he's been great. Yeah. I think, you know, showing his experience, he's, he's level-headed, and I think he's what Balcata needed. Probably knowing that epitomizes the Balcata season more yeah. than, than him. Absolutely. Just, yeah, that, 100%. You don't need to be spectacular if no, you just get the job done. shape, you're professional, and you, yeah, exactly, you do the job. Final game in the round was, uh, let me uh, t- teach you this one, Kalichi, Sterling Macedonia, uh, three, and Perth Glory, nil. Uh, I mean, one of the other things, again, we've we've said glory score like th- four or five goals every game. That's the one thing you can count on uh, and nothing this week. The big goose egg. Although against its side that has just shown that you can't score goals against them for two years. Yeah. It's It's been they'll, – they'll concede one or two here and there, but they are just so tight defensively, so compact, so hard to beat. Um, obviously nothing really uh, – went their way at the end of the season last year in terms of uh, silverware or uh, that sort of thing. But 
if you keep doing that and you keep making it very hard for teams to score against you, it, it feels like something's going to come. And I know you've been banging their drum for a while now, haven't you, Tommy? I said it on the full-time whistle. I feel like they've not even clicked into gear properly yet and they're second in the league. And they just have this fantastic defense, which you mentioned before, Sean. Um, they've had contributors throughout the, throughout the season. Um, Kingsley Eshin, Calvin Whitney, Alex Tanevsky, um, Daniel Zivkovic has scored a couple of good goals. They've got some contributors, but they don't really have that guy yet who's going to score 15 to 20 goals. If somebody can step up and be that player, then watch out. They're going to be mighty hard to catch. And um, in terms of this week, Sterling versus Armadale, second versus third, that looks like yeah, what a an game. absolute doozy. We won't be around, Sean, but uh, uh, we're gonna maybe be, some others will be. We're going to be down south uh, in uh, Mama's home country, as Josh uh, calls it, Albany. Um, and I'm yeah, very much looking forward to that. What, what games have we got down there? We've got Sorrento versus Perth Glory in the men's, which on paper probably isn't the, the greatest tie in terms of the standings, but you never know with that game. It's it's so up and down. That's Albany, mate. They just they send the rejects down our way. They don't send us the big games. <laughs> and in the women's, we've got um, Red Star versus NCC, which should actually oh, be really oh. good. But NCC do have a few absolutes at the moment. Yeah, well, that should be a, uh, that's going to be a fantastic week, and we're going to have to uh, wrap up part one pretty soon. Is there anything anyone else wants to say about the men's uh, league so far this season? Well, I just want to say, because we brought up Sterling, I mean, you look across all those results and how many goals have gone in, and they're a massive outlier, because I think they've had three clean sheets in a row now against uh, Perth, against Coburn, and against um, Perth Glory. On the weekend, so yeah, listen to the a, stats, man. That's He's a standout. His best Tommy Dolman, that is a standout. Uh, that is very a good standout yeah. statistic. If you're keeping that many clean sheets in a league where goals fly in so cheaply at the moment, yeah, absolutely. All right, well, uh, thank you for joining us for part one. We're going to take a quick break. You'll probably hear an insert or two, and then we'll be back uh, with Neil Bennett, I believe, for part two after this. this. And before we dive back into part two, we just want to send a quick thank you out to Balance and Revive Massage Therapy, our latest sponsors here at the Perth Football Podcast. And if you want to get 10% off remedial and sports massages, just go and say hi uh, from the Perth Football Podcast. Use the code PFP23. Uh, that's PFP23. And you get 10% off all remedial and sports massages at Balance and Revive. You can find them in Carambine at 1 Hobson's Gate. And we're back again for part two. We have made a substitution. So, no, Kalichi, back to the bench, mate. It's, he's he's doing that thing where you warm up in front of the coach <laughs> and, like, you're just like, coach, I'm ready, I'm ready to go. And so you're still on the bench, mate, because we've got a, uh, uh, a younger, fresher player, uh, more agile, more energetic, and that, of course, is Neil Bennett. Uh, Neil, thank you so much for, for coming on the, the show. My pleasure. Uh, being described as young, I'm probably, my age is... Older than your lots all combined, I, I reckon. I don't think so. well, you reckon we're 15? Fair <laughs> <laughs> to me, you are. I th yeah. think if you listen to us, maybe that's the maturity levels of, of the podcast. But definitely, no, we, we have um, we have a few, uh, what do they say, like rings on the uh, for a tree? Uh, or like a horse They that's the teeth or something? So I don't know what they call it, though. I just, just know they use yeah. that to count. We've got age. a few rings on our tree anyway. We'll, we'll say that much. Um, but I, I, I was going to say, I think, I think he's... A more appropriate substitute for the game situation. That's how you describe it. Ah, okay, yeah. absolutely. Because we are going to go on and talk about their NPL women's, and yep. they'll just give us a, a bit of a rundown for the people that don't know what you do. You've been involved, obviously, heavily at uh, Perth Red Star uh, for a while. Give us your, your football background in away and yeah, what you're doing now. Sure. Well, I started off when I first arrived in Perth uh, playing vets uh, at Balga. Um, we actually won a cup one year as well. God, God only knows how. And now I retired. Leachy's hometown. Yeah. <laughs> 
sort of retired very shortly after that when I realised it's taken me three days to get over a game. Mm. Um, but then my daughter Carla, she started playing, and uh, she was what a playing. player as well, by the way. I she think we can play, also. Uh, and I don't know where she gets it from. <laughs> um, and she started playing at a local club at Balladura. Um, and then went to Bayswater and Sterling, playing with the boys there. She was involved in the NTC and state selection. So I just kept following her. Uh, my career stopped. I started following her. She ended up at Redbacks, um, and I just went along for the ride, basically. And I've been involved at Redbacks, or was involved at Redbacks, right through to the uh, to the merger. Uh, committee member, um, coach. Actually, had a, a season of coaching the first team, which was really good. Uh, we went unbeaten that year. We won the league. And then we qualified to play in the Interstate Cup in Adelaide, uh, where we beat Adelaide City. Um, and I think we're the only West Australian team to have won that. It's only held over two years. Um, well, and- so for all the Adelaide City fans listening, suck that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and then uh, with, the, with the merger, I've sort of fell into the media role at the back end of, of Redbacks. And then with the merger now, Robbie's taken over from that. So I'm now what we grandly call the coordinator of women's football uh, for, for Red Star. So I make sure that the coaches are happy um, and then report back up into the into Simon, uh, the general manager. And if we've got any issues, any equipment, that sort of stuff, and just gradually keep generally keep things ticking over. And it's uh, it's going well. Um, we've got seven teams now, um, the two senior teams at MPL level, and then we've got uh, two adult teams, one under 18 and one under 17s playing in the Central League. And then we've got our juniors, 13s, 14s and 16s, and all teams are firing on all cylinders at the moment. And obviously uh, last season, uh, incredibly impressive uh, side that, that they put out. Um, won the league very, very comfortably. Uh, I was saying before we came in here, I think them and the uh, the Murdoch University Melville side of the uh, the U-Kitchen the and Co, uh, probably the two best women's MPL well I, I don't there's no probably about it they're the two best women's MPL teams I've I've had the pleasure of watching uh looking at this season obviously no Larry there's been some changes yep. uh obviously I'm sure you're happy winning every single game and it doesn't mm. bother you too much but how does it feel this season uh the the level of competitiveness of the league as, as much as you want to win every game mm. it it must be enjoyable going down and and knowing that there is a real fight for this title and and it's a league that could go any number of ways. Absolutely. I mean, after the first round, when we lost to Kurt, uh, to NTC, um, we realised that there was going to be a lot to do to, to retain any of the trophies that they won last year. Obviously, they lost in the night series as well on a, on a shootout. That hurt. Um, but, yeah, the teams have really stepped up. You're right, we've lost some players. Uh, Larry's gone over east and Sean has retired. Uh, unfortunately, Carla had a, a ACL. Um, and then we've just got Kim back as well. Sarah has gone away. Sarah Carroll has gone away for a month on holiday. So when you look at all of those players and you add up the games that they've had, there's 900 games of first-team experience has sort of vanished. Um, but it's been replaced by some real quality players. And we've got these two guns from Japan as well sort of came out of the blue. And they've really invigorated the whole scene around the club. But when you look at the other teams... Perth came out of the blocks, all guns firing, and everybody thought, well, we'll never stop them. Then they've had a bit of a stumble. You've seen NTC go on a on a tear. They've had a little bit of a stumble. Mum have crawled up and really started playing some great stuff. Fremantle now are looking the business and Balcata are starting to get their act together. So really it's only Curtin and I think Subi have got some problems that they've got to sort out. Um, but the rest of the league, those uh, those six teams, it's, it's really, really close. And game on Sunday was a case in point. Could have gone either way, but... 
uh, Red Star got over it just with a, with a single goal. And the, the mum pushed them all away. And there's no two ways about it. This league is really competitive now. In terms of Red Star, Neil, obviously there was that opening day defeat to NTC. And I'm not saying there would have been a little bit of worry, obviously, given that um, the players that you had did depart. Um, but what was the message, I suppose, from Carlos, um, obviously, as somebody who's sort of in and around the camp, obviously, just to make sure that that defeat didn't completely derail, derail things, especially after that penalties defeat in the night series as well. There was They were two games which could have really sent things, not in a spiral, but could have could have meant that there was a little bit of trouble. The game immediately after that, the 2-0 the win against Mum, it can't be understated, overstated how important that was. Um, the first 20 minutes of that, there were shades of, oh, this, this season could go badly because we were struggling. Um, Mum had us under a lot of pressure. Uh, but the players out on the pitch pulled themselves together and started playing back into the way that Carlos has drilled into them. And I think that that was the message. Don't forget where we've come from. It's going to be harder this year. We know that. We've got new players coming in. We've got to bed them in. And that's been the case. We've had uh, Katie Ritchie come over from Perth as well. Uh, young Woolley come in as well from NTC. Abby Woolley, she's been really good. Um, and they've slotted in really, really nicely along with uh, Raina and Chiora. And so we've got these new players coming in and it's taken time, but they're gradually swinging back into the rhythm, if you like. But knowing that they've got stronger opposition uh, well, not stronger opposition, more experienced opposition, I think, because teams are now three, four years into NPL experience and they're really gelling as units. And you can see that the way that they're set up uh, and they're becoming harder and harder to break down. So games are getting much, much tighter and things are getting harder to win, basically. And just now that you have found that momentum, obviously it's seven games unbeaten since, but it's not necessarily been the experienced players that have stood up, the players such as Sarah Carroll, Renee Leo. So we obviously know the quality that they do have and the experience that they do have, but you're starting to see some great performances from Andy Teixeira. Um, also, you said you mentioned Katie Ritchie before, who slotted in really well. Olivia Woods back from her, her travels in Dallas as well. And, and obviously you mentioned the Japanese imports as well. So it must be really pleasing to see players who are not necessarily the ones that have been there forever and a day doing the business as well and contributing to this run. Oh, perf- absolutely. The, the the end of the game uh, on Sunday, the three there were only three players on the pitch who had played in the grand final uh, from the previous season. So that was a testament. And we're bringing players up from the 21s as well. 21s have gone on a tear this season. They, they lost their first game on Sunday, but they're, they're producing the goods. And that's really where we feel that we have to go to because we're not getting the ability to bring in players from over east or right we've got the two japanese girls have come in but really it's got to be recruitment from within because the pool's very very small within wa and players go to where they want to go to so if you're relying on ntc you you've really got a narrow narrow choice there so bringing in players from within is definitely the way to go and and really that's what we're building on i was impressed to see uh, how much first team football kuan dons got mm. This season as well, I remember her coming out to uh, Kalgoorlie to play with the junior team in uh, or the amateur team. In he's always uh, got to bring Kalgoorlie into it, doesn't he? <laughs> Every week. Yeah, well, we got to cover the whole state, Sean. We can't be metro centric no, in don't. here. Can't be metro centric. But yeah, I remember her her coming out and playing in those teams. So it must be great having someone who's come the whole way through the system, making uh, uh, making her way into the first team like that. Yeah, and uh, Jaina Ridley as well. She she w- was with us as a 15, 14-year-old and then went to NTC, had a couple of seasons with NTC and has come back and has 
she had a fractured foot at the beginning of the season. She's just getting into a stride. But but Quinny, yeah, she's just a nutcase, basically. The the kid just <laughs> runs and runs and runs. Uh, brave as you like and just mad as a cut snake, really. Uh, great character around. And she just absolutely blasts it way through the game. She's great. You can put her on the wing. She she was marking, she was tracking back with Tash Rigby last, last weekend, matching her for pace and then tracking back and making Tash have to turn around and chase her. And then uh, this weekend, uh, Carlos moves her out to the wing and she does a job out there. So versatile player, but yeah, uh, great kid to have around in the squad. Well, we'll uh, have a quick look around the rest of the league. I know, uh, I mean, Tommy uh, could stand here and talk to you about uh, Perth Red Star for about six hours, I reckon, and then before we'd finally get to move on. Um, and I know you've got a couple of questions for Neil about the, you know, the history of uh, the the women's football uh, and the game in in Perth. But we will look across the other scores. Uh, you mentioned Neil Balcata starting to hit their straps, three nil win over the NTC. Uh, there always is that little element, as we always say with the NTC and the glory uh, in the men's, that they can have off weeks. Um, both of them obviously have had that uh, that off week this week, but but they have been in really, really good form. So how big is this result for Balcatter? Obviously, we've had the uh, the Tia Screamer that we've all been waiting for uh, recently as well. Um, but but are, are Balcatter now just starting to, to look like they're going to make a push? I think so. I mean, the back-to-back wins will do them a world of confidence and it certainly puts them right back into the mix of that top four race now, especially given their game in hand against Subiaco as well, which hasn't been rescheduled yet. Um, You you mentioned NTC. They have got a couple of players out of the team. Uh, Georgia Cassidy was obviously suspended um, at the weekend after a red card against Mom FC. Huge for them as well. Very, very very important. important, Yeah. And obviously Iskia Brooking and Ruby Cuthbert have just come back from junior Matilda's duties. Um, Tanika Lala's obviously gone abroad as we know. So um, they were a little bit depleted and perhaps there was an element of as well and it may be a little bit of the same thing for for Red Stars game with Mum FC but um, just playing in that midweek game um, NTC and Mum FC obviously played on the Wednesday night before the weekend and maybe there was just that element of fatigue in the second half where they weren't able to quite get back into it but for Balcada, big win and we sort of thought that that Tia Stonehill and Monique Prinsloo partnership was going to be very good. Kim McCartney going back to defence has been a big help. Um, they've got enough talent on that team to make a top four push and those back-to-back wins will do them a world of good. And uh, talking about the competitiveness of the league, uh, as as we've mentioned many times on the pod, uh, Josh just loves a good drive-by on uh, Curtin. I've been known to stick one in as well uh, myself here and there, but... Uh, you know, we, we did uh, speak to Campbell Ballantyne. No one heard that because uh, there were uh, technical difficulties with that. Isn't, but, isn't but, that the ultimate drive-by? But he, he was he was saying that they were they had players lined up. They were going to recruit players, and obviously, when you hear that, when you're losing ten nil every week, you're thinking, well, I, I I hope it's true because it's it's not good for the league to have a team uh, losing by that much every week. But second week in a row, they've scored a goal now, uh, and this one again. Uh, as Neil mentioned, they certainly the well they're the two bottom sides in the league, the the two weakest sides in the league. But this was a much more competitive showing from Curtin and uh, a few new players. And I mean, I, I think we all have our fingers crossed that 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 will continue. I think Kalichi was there, so I don't know if Kalichi wants to quickly stand up and yeah, say something I'll, I'll, on the mic. You know what? You stay where you are, Kalichi. I'll bring the mic down to you. What, what did you see on that one? Uh, hi guys, I'm back. Sean, I'm going to hijack. No, this is a temporary um, concussion substitute. So, yeah, so, so Neil's just just taking a moment, but you will be c- coming back off. Okay, I'll, I'll be quick. Um, no, they they had really good shape. Um, the shape was really, really well. They had 
I counted four different players that I hadn't seen previously. Um, they made it really difficult for Subiaco. Subi's second goal was a, it was an absolute, really well worked goal that came into. Um, Oh, goodness gracious. Uh, came out to Marianne Tabane. She flicked it on first time. Um, and yeah, it was a cross that came in and a far post finish. But Curtin went down because of a, a bit of a goalkeeping howler. But then the goalkeeper kept them in there for the rest of the game as well. And they had to pull off some really good saves. Um, Subi did as well to to prevent uh, name escapes me. But it was Tiana. Uh, both are as well um, to prevent her from scoring to make it. I think it would have been two one at the time, um, but yeah. The I spoke to I spoke to Harry at the end of the game as well, and he said, "Look, process is coming along well. Um, I think they've brought in four players, uh, quite a few of them from the futsal futsal scene where the futsal season has finished as well. Um, and I think you know who one of them is who used to play for Subiaco. I think it was Emma, Emma Ilias. Yeah, yep. So she's she's now joined joined them as well." And they played with a really interesting shape. I think it was like three at the back, diamond in midfield, two up front, played a little bit of pressing as well. So, yeah, uh, it looks good for them. Hey, everyone, just a quick edit to uh, add in this interview that we had with Greg. Uh, should have mentioned it during the recording, but kind of sort of got held up. So uh, here is an interview with Greg Farrell, Subiaco head coach. Perth Football Podcast, Calicio Sunwa down here at a very cold Roselli Park. Rosalie Park, right? Rosalie Park. Um, I'm joined by Subi coach Greg Farrell. Greg, good start in the first half. Some great goals in there as well. Second half, not so much, but I'm sure you're happy to get out and uh, run away with the 3-1 win. Yeah, it was it was a good opportunity for us. We changed the system up, worked on a couple of things that we're looking to put into place now moving forwards into the, the second part of the season. Um, so the interaction between the girls for a couple of the goals was excellent and a couple of mistakes of our own led to opportunities for them. They were good enough to finish one, but overall we're happy with how we controlled the game, how we moved the ball around. It's a, another positive step. And at this part of the season, as you're saying, you're moving towards what that second third of the season I'm so positive we've had to play with him three times um, and it's just a case of getting points right now as well yeah that's exactly it we have to build momentum we've got Perth next week at home and then we've got a run of games where if we can put some quality together on the field and we can get a little bit a little bit of momentum ourselves then we've, we're still in with a hunt for making semi-finals but it's we're in a situation where we've got to be continually improving and making sure we finish our chances. You've got, so. to be, you've got also got to be pleased with um, the impact that you had some players coming off the bench and, and giving you a real statement in terms of the performance that they had there as well. Yeah, we've had a good situation across the season where our squad has been training together. So we're very, between the first team, the 21s, um, everyone's been brought in for different sessions and, and they're aware of what we're doing. And the players who are on the bench are, are genuinely a part of the squad. So there's no disconnect there and, and everyone understands the, the roles and the jobs and, and their teammates. We just need to get better as a group and, and we will hopefully continue to do that. Well, look, good luck for the rest of the season. Continue to get that momentum and I will see you soon, hopefully, in a much warmer <laughs> situation as well. Thank you very much, my friend. And yes, it was so cold out there that I mispronounced my own name. Anyways, back to Sean in the studio. Sounds like something you do on FIFA, Kalichi. That sort of uh, shenanigans. Anyway, um, time to, to come off the substitutes. Finish. I what did we think of his performance? I made a couple of mistakes there, forgetting players' names and things. But when you come on into a pressure cooker environment, um, <laughs> I, I thought... Oh, 
all you want him to do is really just not make any howlers, and and I think he I think he did well. How are we well, assessing? If, if we're a bit short next week, then uh, may, maybe we bring him into the starting lineup. But but we'll have to wait and see. We'll see how everybody else pulls up. I just wanted to ask Neil a quick question. Um, obviously, myself and Sean have only really sort of been involved in the league um, throughout the MPL women's era. Um, and, and obviously, in terms of Subiaco and Curtin, we have seen them have their struggles in the first sort of four years of the competition. Um, but is there a sort of element is that there have always been a weak team or two in the top flight of, of local women's football? And I suppose... The question for me is just how does how does it sort of compare now to to what it perhaps did maybe five to ten years ago? I think there's always been two teams, maybe three at, at most, who have dominated, and then you have a team at the bottom that that's getting hammered. Uh, Sterling Panthers a few years back had a horrible, horrible season. Um, the old East Fremantle, um, they they've had bad seasons as well. UWA is another one that's had bad seasons. So these teams used to come in at the bottom and then they would they would slide off. But the big difference now with the NPL compared to the old Premier League is that if there was only two or three, now we've got four or five. Um, and we've also got strong under-21s. Um, and that's the key because in the past it used to be just a reserve team and it could be overage and any, any age at all. But now that you've got under-21s in there, um, you, you can start to see pathways being developed. And also, hopefully, more and more clubs... Frio are doing it, Murdoch are doing it, uh, Red Star have done it, um, and it looks like Perth are starting to do it, are developing their juniors. And when you start to see pathways from 13, 14, 16 up into the 21s, then you can start to see that internal sort of growth going on and players accepting the way that a team plays. Perth, we know, like to knock the ball around. Balcada, they've got that low block, and then they go for a quick quick counter-attack, that's something that their under-21s do as well. So an imprint of the team's philosophy is on these younger players. So when they come in, there's no real dramas for them. They've just got to adapt to the pace of the game. So I think that's the big difference right now to to what it was about four or five years ago. And WA has always been a good producer of talents and and there are some really good young players in the league still that that's never been necessarily the issue. Often the problem has just been more about keeping them and, and often them giving them that platform to sort of stay in the league and and, um, and hopefully the, the league continues to, to grow and improve based on what Neil was saying. At least now some of these clubs are starting to build their clubs from the bottom up and, and hopefully that means that the clubs are more sustainable long-term and it gives players um, a place where they can develop and continue to improve and, and hopefully become the, the future Matildas. I think there's, yeah, the, there's always been this ongoing background noise about the league's weak, the players are not good and I think that's that's really harsh on the players themselves because they're they're just not they're not getting the recognition they deserve. There are a number of reasons for players to go over east. It could be monetary. It could be in the case of Hannah Lowry and Tian McKenna. They're going there because of the future Matildas program. So these players have got different reasons for going, and it's, it's not definitely not for the weather. Well, no, you wouldn't, would you? I've lived in Melbourne and put in Sydney, and I tell you what. What what about um, reporting on and uh, and talking about the women's game in WA? You know, when when Kyla was younger and, and she was emerging, and, and I know it's something that you've done a lot of over the time when you started doing it. You know, what was there for the women's game, and what was the hole that that yourself and others have had to fill? There was very little. I mean, um, we used to get the odd snippet. I mean, even just like we can joke about it and say stream is horrible, but. There was nothing. Stream is horrible. <laughs> there was nothing of that sort. You never saw. You never saw games live. 
now you can see every single game live and you can replay it. Um, you're starting to see other people coming into that space, into the media space. I mean, the fact that we're talking about it right now, that's a real bonus. And I think the coaches are are getting really savvy. Now, you know, I put an email or a text message out to the coaches at the end of each game. Can you can you give us some feedback? You get that. You're getting photos. It seems a trivial thing, but photos of, of players in action that are now taken for granted. Some of the stuff that, that's going out there at the moment, it's, it's top right. Um, and I think having people prepared to put up with the slings and the barbs that come your way and, and just plough on, then you are doing your little bit to try and grow the game. And all of these video clips, and now we're starting to see um, with uh, a couple of statistical packages as well, you can, players can put themselves in shop windows. And, and it's, this is just the start because once the World Cup's finished, the explosion in players coming into the game is going to be enormous. And then people are going to start looking at Australian players and say, OK, the, the A-League W is a good league. How do you get into that? And then you sell them on and then you get money that way and that goes back into the clubs with the new transfer rules. And it's these sorts of things that are going to help the game grow because WA is always going to be a feeder league. I don't think there's any two ways about it. Um, I don't think that we can hold ourselves up to say we are the Premier League in the country. New South Wales is, is like that in men's and it's going to be like that in the women's because of volumes and coaches being there, et cetera, et cetera. But it doesn't mean that the players here can't get the recognition that they deserve. Yeah, Martin, as you're saying, a lot of fantastic players uh, in this uh, city, a lot of great podcasters as well, I, I think we can all uh, agree with. But uh, no, we genuinely, it is, it is, this is why we do what we do, because we, we love being a part of this and, and, and want to highlight some of these young, and I know Tommy can, uh, yeah, back me up on this, is that the most uh, thanks we get is when we go down to an NTC game and you see the parents that will come and talk and, and just thank you for your, for your commentary, for the podcast, for, you know, for getting their yep. kids' names out there. And, and uh, if you look at the broader picture of women's football in Australia slash worldwide, it's, it's not that long ago uh, in all of our lifetimes that the like Australian women's team didn't have a goalkeeper coach, for example. Like the, the, it just – women being involved in sport and being involved in football uh, is – it's been a slow burn. Hopefully, we're finally getting to to that place where, yeah, they are getting these opportunities, and uh, yeah, and we absolutely love being a part of it. We do have one last game to touch on um, before he's just itching to get onto the uh, the West Ham Leeds game, isn't he? Look at he just wants to get going, Tommy over there. I, I think um, he's been talking to uh, to try see if he he's been asking additional questions to Neil to see if he could try and put that off for a while so Kalichi so will say guys we're out of time but uh, no I've got a that, dentist appointment at 8.20 <laughs> I thought that was 2.30 oh. uh, Perth Soccer Club oh. 2 Fremantle City 3 that was the final game anyone catch any of that friend of the pod Louis Carlish was down at that game he said there was a couple of fantastic goalkeeper uh, saves um, any, anyone uh, you, you obviously caught a bit of it you must have done a bit of a write up for it Tommy what happened in that one? I called the game, yeah, Sean. Yeah. Oh, you were there. Oh, there we go. Yeah, yeah. See? Uh, good to see how attentive you were over the weekend. Oh, you know, I didn't. But I was at a, at a flesh and blood tournament, which I went two and three. Uh, so, uh, well, and the score was two, three. So, great segue. Tell us about it. <laughs> um, yeah, it was. this was actually a really exciting game. I thought Perth started really well. There was a clear response um, to the defeat to Balcatta. I thought they were probably the better team and shaded it in the first 20 minutes, and they went ahead through Monique Godding's goal. But Fremantle City just, um, the experience really told in the second half, particularly with Kat Jukic and Jamie Lee Gale coming on at halftime. Uh, Gale came on on the right-hand side and just added to 
um, she was basically playing in front of Tash Rigby. And if that's not the best right-hand side in the competition, I don't know what <laughs> is. It's um, it's really hard to to defend against. Rigby was outstanding. Um, but the, the best player on the pitch was Abby Green by a mile. She was so damaging in transition with her ball-carrying ability. Um, she was doing what, what we've seen Gemma Crane do, really, in the first few years of the NPL women's era. She got three assists. Um, if, if she can start adding some goals to a game, she's going to be a really formidable player for the for the remainder of the season, at least until she goes back to glory. But um, yeah, really impressive win for Fremantle overall. It's an important one as well because it brings them level with Perth in fourth place, and um, I'm sure the teams below the, uh, above them in in terms of NTC and Mum FC will be very wary, even though Red Star have got that four point cushion at the top. All right. Well, uh, a quick glance across uh, the table. We I don't think we really gave the, the wrap-up of the, the men's, but we definitely talked about the two or three sides that were at the bottom. Uh, but the, the women's league, apart from those you know two sides, as we mentioned, is equally as tight. There is nine points between uh, first and sixth. Uh, Balcata, obviously, a slow start of the season. We're hoping they're starting to, to click into place. Red Star, you know, where they want to be, Neil, uh, up on top, four points clear of Mum FC. And uh, NTC, both on 15 points. Perth Soccer Club, a couple of points back, uh, level with Fremantle on 13. So, yeah, between second and uh, and fifth, there's two points. And, it, it, I mean, within three weeks' time, any of those teams could be top of the table. So Alcatter and Sandy have the game in hand as well. Ah, oh, thank you, Josh. The eagle eye, you always spot those things. Tommy? I just wanted to ask Neil, obviously we know uh, his his Red Star affinity, but I just wanted to ask him who which team he's been most impressed with other than Red Star uh, around the league so far. Uh, in the last couple of weeks, um, Fremantle. Um, up to that, it was NTC and Perth. Um, they really set the standard, and you know it was difficult to chase them down. But Frio are going going to be a very very tough team over the next few rounds. There will be a bit of a change at Frio though, because I th- think Abby Green is actually going to be going away um, during the season. So I don't think she's going to see the season Ooh, out. So I breaking think, news. Yeah, I think I think she may well be uh, out of the team, um, taking some time off, some well-deserved time off. How that plays out, I don't know. Uh, Balcada, yeah, I think with all of the teams, the, the strength in the squad depth comes into it. Balcada have got a good run coming up, but then they've got some tough games ahead of them. So they're going to have to fire on all cylinders to, as you said, to make up for that that slow start. But their defensive organisation and their rapid transition is is a tough one to to counter, and you've got to be on your toes against them. And then, unfortunately, with NTC, uh, we missed out Lily Bailey. Whoops, what was that? No, uh, Lily Bailey uh, not being available either through injury, and that's yes. been a big miss. Their goalkeeper, so she's out for another couple of weeks. George is out next week, um, and then I think uh, I don't know how long Tanika's away for, but yeah, they. It's always a problem with NTC, isn't it? Mm. Um, you know, you've got NTC challenges coming up and things like that as well. So it's going to be hard for them to maintain the consistency that you really need to get through the league. So for me, Fremantle are going to be the team that that will be looking over the shoulders at from from a Red Star point of view. And it's a great way to have the league going. But at the same time with the NTC, I'm sure those all those players that you mentioned at some point were looking to break into the team and maybe just needed a player or two to go away. So who knows when the next Tanika Lala and co is, is coming through. So hopefully it's a, a chance for some other young players to, to make their way in. Uh, we are just about running out of time. So I'll, I'll allow one more final quick uh, point from anyone else on the Women's League if they want to make it before we move on. J- Josh wants to move on. Josh is I'm, ready. I'm to... desperate to move on because Tommy has been time wasting this entire <laughs> he pod. He's been holding the ball in the, the corner. Kalichi, that He's is been your kicking job. it into the stand. Yeah, 
He does Collecting want, cheap yellow cards. He does not want to go there, but we will uh, go there. Neil, who's your Premier League team? Do you... um, I'm in mourning. Okay. So you can guess who that is. Uh, well, they should have won the league because they were on the top of the table. Ah, so, ah another half of the season. 93% of the season, right? That's 93% they were on top. It has been. and We won't talk too much about Manchester City because, no, I mean, congratulations. Well done, another league. How boring. Um, boring, boring. A real uh, rags to riches story. Yeah. <laughs> but we, we were. Such underdogs. I, I think we were all, and, and most people were on the, the Arsenal uh, train uh, mm. towards the end. We were. Oh, I kept saying they're still going to win it and more out of hope than actually out of belief because as a Liverpool fan we've been in title races with City many many times yes. and it is so hard to stay with them for, for that long um, and as as all the Arsenal fans that you know would dig me out every time Liverpool didn't win the league to Man City have now found out this season it is not uh, easy to keep up that uh, that relentless winning run you just have to keep winning and they, they I mean Arsenal I, I can't remember the exact numbers but I think they've only won two out of their last eight now and it's yeah, yeah, yeah it's it's I think the game against West Ham hurt and the game against Southampton hurt that yeah. Southampton was the big one for yeah. me well, and like, it's draws and losses to the, teams to get, fighting relegation even, even getting it and and to other mid-table teams like Liverpool but um <laughs> but 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 to, but to get a point at Anfield for Arsenal you know it doesn't happen very often in recent memory so that that one wasn't so bad but then to back that up with yeah Southampton uh, draw and then you know losing to it was already done anyway, yeah, but yeah. yeah, disappointing. Let's get on to more happy uh, stories because we did have the uh, relegation slash. I don't. Know, what, what are you guys playing for? You still? Oh, uh, we, we we couldn't be relegated because of Everton. No, I know, uh, but you're not in the hunt for you. You you're just the party poop. Conference right? league. You just. Oh well, 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 we, well. Yeah, we can still make Europa League. You don't need league. to because you're going to win the conference league. Well, if right? we win, if we win the conference league, we make the Europa League. We're still yeah. playing for. If we, you know, if there's a big turnaround in goal difference, we're still playing for finishing on top of Chelsea. So, yeah, oh, what what a result that would be the way they played this season. Um, Kalichi will pick up the uh, the five thirty eight uh, percentage chances of uh, relegation and top four as Liverpool's uh, chances hang now by a thread. Um, obviously, we just we mentioned the the banjo string has snapped for Arsenal's. Uh, title chances so the only things left to play for are relegation and top four uh and a big game in the relegation battle was played out last night it was our very own josh chites west ham united against tommy dolman's leeds united a battle of the united's and leeds went up early uh and did not hang on for the second time this week and uh, i mean you guys go on give each other barbs argue about it tell us about how upset or happy you are it was a. It was a, look. It was a good opening goal from Rodrigo. I, I don't think I've just about ever seen that a, a flying left foot volley straight from a, a long throw. throw. Straight from a long throw. Weston McKenney's arms must have been so tired by the end of that game. It was about the only thing Leeds could do going forward. But uh, I, I think the story of the game. Obviously, the expectation is it's Declan Rice's. It was Declan Rice's last home game. Before he joins Arsenal, because we, yeah, well, we think he's, we think he's going to send, us, send to him a our new way. Club. He'll probably go to Man City. Come on, the the, uh, but uh, does I, he get in me, that team? They, they can just stockpile, can't they? Yeah. yeah the true. the big story for me, pleasingly knowing that there's a, a fairly high chance Declan Rice is going, is how much control Lucas Paqueta had of that game. He was completely unplayable and that assist that he had for West Ham's third goal from Manuel Lanzini. If you haven't seen that, if you're just not interested in a game between a couple of strugglers down the bottom of the ladder uh, like West Ham and Leeds, at least go up and 
go through and look up that assist, it was because it was absolutely magic. It wasn't an assist, or an assist to the assist. No, it was an assist. Oh, assist, I thought yeah, he I took. Thought we he were talking on... about the um the little scoop for Declan Rice's goal. Sorry, I just tuned out as I always do when I'm not talking on these things. Um, what's that? Oh, that's all right, Tommy. I'm cramping. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, sorry. I was I was thinking of the uh, the rice goal where the little the little dink assist over the top for the, before the cross to the bat post, and, oh, and rice yeah, with yeah. a very comp- that was that was the most beautiful goal of the game for me. I thought that was just oh stunning. Um, but uh, we did have a bit of VAR controversy as well at the end. A stud almost uh, cost you a, you a goal, yeah, but we should I'd, let we should well, let those, Tommy those talk. Are, those are the ones you don't want to Tommy's see. Tommy's dying. Sure, leads. Tommy's dying Man. to talk. Look, Tommy, five thirty eight. Tell us that the odds of Leeds United being relegated are now ninety four percent. Is that about right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it was. Insipid. <laughs> yes, Tommy did his Leave that one in, Kalichi. Right. Big Sam. Leave it in. Big Sam. He never swears. He yes. never swears. Big Sam, listen up because Tommy's about to rip you one. Yeah, Tommy did his first swear on the Perth Football Podcast. Um, yeah, <laughs> awful. I'll do another one. Um, <laughs> it was that bad. It was. It was just. It was. It was symptomatic of the reason why we're going down. It was. It was abject. Um, we actually started the game okay, and as Josh said, Rodrigo got the goal, but. Just, just the lack of imagination in the second half that you could actually hear on the television. The coaching staff were shouting second balls, so that was clearly the game plan to to launch it forward, to to get to the drop of the ball and to try and get a bit of luck and make something happen. It was, it was just not good enough. And it's funny because last season when we were in the relegation battle with Burnley to stay up, I was on the edge of my seat, nervous, biting my nails, getting really stressed, feeling tense all day, waiting for the games to arrive. We've not won in eight games. I was very relaxed sitting there last night, but it's the hope that kills you. You go 1-0 up and you think, here we go. And uh, just like you, uh, Mofo's teasing me uh, before, uh, Leeds teased me last night, uh, which probably hurt a little bit more, to be honest, because uh, it ended in a brutal way. And yeah, barring Everton completing the biggest choke job ever. I'm going to try and put the mockers on them right now. I don't know why you think they are so nailed on on to get something out of Bournemouth. I, I don't know why this I don't, and and also, you're playing Spurs uh, in the last game. It's, Harry Kane's farewell game. Oh, well, just walk in and say, lads, it's Tottenham. Like it's a tried and tested <laughs> method. Spurs are just yeah, and and so it's a big occasion for them, right? Harry Kane's last game, big occasion for Tottenham, something to play for. When did Tottenham take a choke and throw it all away? When there's, when there's something, something to, play. to play for. You always. Again, I'll say it again. The first team to finish third in a two-horse race when they're in the title race with Leicester. They finished third. Everyone forgets they finished third. They, they, they should have won the league. They should have won the league. They finished third. Anytime you're in a top four race, I was saying to Kalichi weeks ago, we were looking at Liverpool's top four chances, which now sit at 5%. Just 1% less than um, uh, Leeds' chance of staying up, which are at 6%. So we're both upset. Um, but but, 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 but Kalichi was looking at Tottenham and saying, oh, look, let's look at Tottenham's fixtures and who are they playing? And I was just like, stop talking about Tottenham. If we're in a race with Tottenham, we've already lost. There is no way Tottenham are finishing fourth. I think you can do Tottenham on the last day. I really, really do. It would be the most Leeds thing if the Allen Road crowd was whipped into a frenzy and we were winning 4-3 against Spurs, but then Leicester eked out a, a one-all draw as they did on the weekend <laughs> to stay up in the last minute. It would be classic Leeds. And like I said before, nothing more than we deserve. Um, it's 11 wins since Bielsa left in February 2022. Um the, the signings have been bizarre. £35 million pounds on a 21-year-old striker who couldn't even get off the bench yesterday for an injured Rodrigo. Um, 
yeah, it, it's mismanagement at board at board level. We've already seen Victor Order lose his job. Um, and stop me now um, before I, I before this podcast. You, you, you know, you know, you bad. know. Tommy, Tommy's actually sunk the boot in way harder than any of us ever could, oh, well, and and way harder than he's ever done on an NPL team that I've ever heard. Oh, he wouldn't do that on an NPL team. <laughs> uh, yeah, sorry, Tommy. I love the NPL too much. <laughs> you, know, you, you know, the positive thing for you, Tommy, is look, Bournemouth going up against Everton. Bournemouth are in garbage time, but. So kind of a West Ham and Tottenham. So there is, there is that little sliver. There is that sliver. And also Everton are garbage. And so are Leicester, by the way. Leicester are <laughs> tragic. The, the, the games I've seen recently of them, there's just no game plan. Sim- similar to what you're saying, what you're saying the Leeds game was like, Leicester don't have a game plan at the moment. They are really, really insipid. Um, they have Newcastle tonight. Uh, potentially, this is the sort of research we should do. But um, I, I didn't think we'd be talking about this for that long because I actually didn't think we'd get Tommy that angry. Um, <laughs> but I'm, I, you know what? I'm glad we did. I'm going to go all NBA reference and do a Vince Carter and say, it's over. Okay. <laughs> he's going down. He's saying it's over. I'm not even giving up on the top four race yet. And we still need like Newcastle and United to lose both games and us to win both games or some ridiculous uh, we go home? Uh, situation. Yeah, let's go home, guys. Um, any more for any more Premier League, World Football, European leagues, uh, the Azerbaijan League. Do we want to talk about Al Nasser? There's some player playing there. Used to be good, apparently. Uh, uh, it's been a pleasure. One more from you, Tommy. I've just got one more question. Uh, a more positive story than, than the rubbish that we spoke about a moment or so ago. Um, I just wanted to ask Neil about the WSL because obviously Sam Kerr is close. She, she obviously got the winner in the FA Cup final the other week. She's closing in on another title. Um, it's going to the final day. Um, but Neil obviously would have seen Sam a lot more than us when she was sort of coming through the system as a young player. And, and I just sort of wanted to ask Neil for a bit of a comment on just how staggered, I suppose, and how, how stunning it is that she sort of escalated from where she was, I suppose, in the Women's Premier League all the way up to where she is now on the biggest stage? Uh, it's almost indescribable what she's done. Um, we first came across Sam when she was 12, playing in a in a state team with Carla, and she was head and shoulders at that point. Um, and then going to national championships, she was just blowing players away for fun. And her, her work ethic is the thing that people don't get. Uh, I, I was down at Glory... Uh, doing some interviews with players and the session had finished. Sam has got another set of balls out and the young glory players are walking out. They're going, they're, they're leaving the car park. Sam is there, sprints, shots, she's doing it all. She's doing more than anybody else and yet she was at that point the best player in the in the MPLW, not MPLW, but the, the W League. But she just keeps, she's relentless. She just keeps going and going and that's what sets her apart. And everything that she's got has been through hard work, dedication, hell of a lot of skill, yeah. But she just gives it everything. And she played a game for glory against Melbourne City, the first year that Melbourne City were in existence. They triple teamed her because they couldn't cope with her. Uh, They won 4-0, but they were so worried about Sam just blowing them away. They triple teamed her. Um, And she was just – she's a phenomenon. Basically, I don't think we'll ever see any anything like her again. Absolutely, one of the goats. Uh, Tommy and I will be down in Albany seeing the goats down there in the country uh, on the weekend. So, uh, looking forward to that. Thank you so much again, Neil, for for joining us. My pleasure. It's been great. Thanks, Thanks guys. Again, Tommy. Sorry about uh, sorry about all that. <laughs> it's all right, Shauna. I accept your apology. <laughs> Thanks, Josh. Good night, everyone. See Good night, you. everybody. Bye, 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 bye.